Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Well, good morning. So for those of you that don't know me, I am Pastor Chris. This is my wife, Lisey. Amen. And um, maybe some of you didn't know I was a pastor. Your pastor put me here as undercover for a year to observe you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I did share some notes. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Before I get myself in trouble and you boo me off the stage, let me introduce you to my lovely wife. I mean, we've just, we've been so blessed to be here. Amen. And we've, we've enjoyed every moment of it. Every moment. And when we can't be here, we're even sad and like, oh, man, we didn't make it down to Nest today. But God has been doing something in us. She'll share a little bit more why we took a year off, and then, um, and then I'll bring a message. Or maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just tell jokes, or maybe I'll give you some of Pastor Rigo's history. Amen? We'll, we'll, see, what, we'll see what happens. God bless you, everybody. My name is Lisey. Um, I am his wife. Um, just, we just celebrated 21 years married. Um, Thank you. We have three beautiful children. Um, if I could have them stand, I have Elijah, he's 17. I have Josiah, he's 15. And I have Crystalise, she's 10. So if you saw them around, those are our kids. <laughs> um, well, we, this is our, actually our first time in a year that we're standing in front of a pulpit. Um, I'm a pastor's daughter. I'm 43 years old, and I've been a pastor's daughter all my life. So I have been in church all my life. So um, I'm also a praise and worship leader. Um, I, so I've done praise and worship all my life. So I've always been in front of a pulpit. So it's been weird the whole year not being in front of a pulpit, singing, doing what I always do. Um, but I do have to say I give props to the praise team. You guys are awesome. You guys have been a blessing to me. To me especially. You guys have been great. Um, I love the way you guys praise and worship. I love that I came into a mode of worship. I'm so used to doing two praise songs, two worship songs, and that's the end of worship. So um, I was refreshed to just come into worship because that's like that my favorite part is just worship and I wish you know more churches would do that more because um, that just brings you into the presence of God faster and it just makes you want more um, so I give you guys props you do an awesome job um, well we took a year off um, as you know I am a pastor's daughter I have been in church forever I've never taken a break so um, it it kind of became something that was good just going through the motions after a little while because it's just something you're used to, something that you're born into, something that you do. Um, and I'm speaking from me. I'm not speaking from him. Um, he came into the picture because he was in a different area, but he came into the picture in 19. Yeah, he's not a pastor's kid at all. Um, he just went to church. So he doesn't really know much about what it is to be up here and what it is to be in front of the crowd and in front of the congregation and in front of faces that you wonder 
Are you going to worship? Are you not going to worship? What are you going through today? Are you going through something? Is that what's hindering your worship this morning? Is that what's causing you not to worship? So that's something that people up here, that's why I give you props because I know that's, what, that's a struggle. And that was something that I used to struggle with where I used to have to not look at the people because it would mess up my worship. Because I'm like, why, isn't, why aren't people worshiping? Why aren't they lifting up their hands? Why aren't they clapping? Why aren't they singing? And that's something that I struggled with. And after a while, it gets tiring. Because you wonder, oh, my God, you're putting all this effort. You practice. You do this. You do that. And look at the people. The people, are they receiving? Are they really having a relationship with God? Are they really involved? Are they really seeking God the way that they should? So that was always a struggle for me. But... I learned to look past the heads and just look up to the, the ceiling or wherever, or I just kept my eyes closed, and I just focused on mine. And I used to always get my praise on on my own, even if it was just little old me. And I would go like she does, that she starts stomping and she starts going, and I'm just in my zone, and, I, and I'm all on my own. And that was okay with me. But it got to the point that um, in our marriage, he was, into, he was actually the lead pastor, and it was taking a toll. It was taking a big toll. Um, there was just so much to do. There was little time for us, little time for the family, because there was always something going on at the church, or there was practice, or there was this, or there was that. Um, also, my boys play baseball. They've been playing baseball since five and four. Right now, they're playing high school ball. Um, hopefully, they play for college someday. We keep that in prayer. Um, but it was also, that was also a toll where it was always baseball. It was always something. So um, it got to the point where I wound up having a nervous breakdown. Um, I had a nervous breakdown where um, I just said I couldn't go anymore. Um, I had an anxiety, anxiety and depression that I was dealing with, and um, it was there. It was obvious. I, was, I stepped down from the praise team um, because I just couldn't go anymore. Um, it just became a toll on me personally. And then it reciprocated to, well, what am I going to do? I can't just preach up there knowing that my wife is going through what she's going through. Um, so we decided, I decided to seek help. I decided to go to a therapist. I decided to, to, um, get the help that I needed to get me through. Cause I mean, who knows how many know God gets you through, but God also put in place doctors and therapists and psychiatrists in place to help you along also, because there's, there's only certain things that a doctor can do, but God does the rest. So I sought help and I sought to be able to be whole again with God's help and with my husband's help. And we decided to take a sabbatical for a year to be without ministry, without anything. Um, we left our home church. We cut ties completely. We just totally cut everything. Um, we decided to focus on our marriage. We decided to focus on our family, and we went to a totally different place where nobody knew us, nobody knew our name, nobody knew we were even in ministry, and we just decided to just plant ourselves there 
for a year and then just enjoy the ride. Because it was a long time coming just sitting there. You know, you always pour, you always pour, you always pour, and you never receive. So this year was a year of refreshing, a year of receiving from Pastor Rigo. I've known him for a very long time. I've known him when he had long hair, when he used to rap. I've known him when he used to put the braids in his hair. I've known him for a very long time. Um, we, we, go back, we go back a long time, and we, we decided to you know, ask Pastor Rigo if it was okay that we join you guys, you know, in worship and in, the, in, in him ministering. And it was a moment of refreshing. It was a moment of, of growing more. And it was a moment of, we took a time out. Our family's better for it. Our marriage is stronger. And we're ready for the next step. You know, and... Wherever God is taking us is a little scary because we were just going with whatever. Whatever you say, Lord. If you say go left, we're going left. Whatever you say, no questions asked. And that's what we're, we're doing. And um, I think I've spoken enough. So I'll let, I'll let him talk now. But it, God bless you. Amen. I was just going to sit down. I was like, oh, she, she, she's going to go. Praise the Lord. Well, it's an honor to be um, here. As my wife said, it's been, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. I can, I can say that. Um, it's hard to explain it. A lot of emotions, a lot of things take place. Um, I was in ministry for 20 years. So I was a youth pastor for 10 years. I was an associate pastor for five. And then I took over the ministry. Um, and I was a lead pastor for five years. And as Pastor Regal mentioned, we met each other as youth pastors. Um, it was an exciting time back then. It was a simpler time, right? Because you, you, can't, you can't yell at adults like you can yell at teenagers and get away with it. They won't keep coming to your church. But um, it was fun times. It was fun times. I remember when Pastor Regal, the night before we'd leave for our youth retreats, he would sleep in my son's bunk bed at my house. Remember that? We used to kick one of the kids out. And... Uh, and we used to have such amazing times together. And one time we even preached together. You remember when we preached in that boxing ring? We, we made a boxing ring. And we preached. And we had these, all these, um, our youth leaders come out with, like, different, different addictions and sins. And then they, like, try to corner us in the middle of the ring. And, and we got real big. Remember we knocked them all out? I never actually physically hit one, but I think Pastor Rigo did. And, um... It was all supposed to be acting, you know, acting and drama, but he got a little carried away and... And um, there was ice involved and stuff like that. But, um, no, it's, listen, I didn't know if I was going to be able to make it through a year without preaching. Um, you're talking to, you're looking at a guy that never went longer than two weeks in 20 years without sharing a message. And that's from youth ministry on up. Even when I was an associate pastor, I used to preach a lot on Sundays. Um, and it was, it was difficult. It was difficult. And the reason, one of the reasons why we came here was because, one, obviously our friendship, but two, I knew that Pastor Rigo would honor what I was telling him. That, listen, I'm coming, I ain't doing nothing. Don't ask me to pray. Don't ask me to share an announcement. Don't ask me to give a word of encouragement. Uh, I just want to come and say, because I really want to honor what God had put in our heart, that we're taking a year off. And one of the things that one of our mentors told us, like, you got to be careful where you guys go to church. Like, like, I don't even know if you should go to church. And I'm like, well, I got to go to church. They're like, yeah, well, maybe you should visit, like, a different church every so often because, you know, 
people find out who you are, that's like gold walking into a church. Like they're going to want to use you. They're going to want you to get involved. They're going to want, and I'm like, no, no, no. But I didn't want to, if I didn't have kids, that might make sense. I might carry my, I might drag my kids around to, we're going to this church this Sunday and this church this Sunday. My kids are going to be, their heads are going to be spinning. So I was like, no, 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 my kids need stability. And um, so, no, I have a church I'm going to go to and it's a good place. And this is a good church. If you've been coming here for a long time, let me tell you something. I wouldn't just sit anywhere. I would not just sit anywhere. I'm telling you, you are in a good place. If you just started coming here and you just started visiting here, take it from somebody that's been in ministry 20 years, has preached at a lot of different churches, been in a lot of big conferences, rubbed my elbows with a lot of preachers. You are in a good place. You're in a wholesome place. You're in a place where there's love and there's encouragement and there's a pastor who who's, doesn't think he's bigger than God. Amen? That's important. We can never be so big that we think this is our church. This is the Lord's church. We work together. God brings the body of Christ together. Sure, he's given us the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And we all flow in that, right? Whoever has that calling, you flow. And, and we respect the calling, but we're working together as one vital unit. Amen? So this morning, I'm going to talk to you um, about what our ministry is going to be. And our ministry is called Love GPS. Love GPS. How many of you know what a GPS is? How many of you use your GPS? Every day. Put in the address. If I gave you guys roadmaps, you wouldn't know what to do with them, right? You'd be like, I don't even know what to do with this roadmap. It's funny. My, my oldest son just started driving. And um, yeah, amen. How many of y'all have teenagers? Amen. Y'all speak in tongues, right? If you don't, you need to learn. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'll come back and teach you about that another time. Amen. But... But um, so he starts driving. So he's like, hey, dad, I got to go here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just take Taft to university. You make a left. You go. He goes, no, 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 dad. I just put it in my phone. I don't know any street names. And I'm just like, man, it's just, this is where we, this is what we've come to today, right? So, so Love GPS, though, is about, it's really an identity that every Christian needs to take on. It doesn't matter what church you go to. It doesn't matter where you are in, in, in life. This is an identity you need to take on because this is going to tell you whether you're heading in the right direction or not because that's all a GPS really tells us to do, right? It tells us if we're going in the right direction, how long we've got, how many, you know, it'll, it, it'll even, what happens if there's traffic? It'll even tell you, hey, <laughs> we'll reroute you, right? Well, how many know that sometimes the Holy Spirit inside of us is telling us we need to be rerouted, amen? So what does GPS stand for? It stands for God, people, serve. That's what it stands for. So we love God, we love people, and we love to serve. Now, I heard that there was a leadership seminar here yesterday, and they talked about serving, right? With Pastor, Pastor Leo, right? Pastor Leo. He wasn't always that big, amen? I, I see him now on, on, uh, on social media putting all these weights above his head. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I wonder, I wonder how he must, he must, I don't know. Does he get people to come up for altar calls at his church? It's got to be intimidating. I, I'd be like, don't hit me. Thank you, Jesus. I'm getting saved today. Oh, he's big. He, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it. I seen him. He was in, was it Spain? Was he in Spain? Oh, my gosh. The God's taking him all over the place, not just with the gospel, but with, with, with this that he's taken up. And I don't know. I, I, remember, I remember a different Pastor Leo. Now he's... He's, but he's an awesome man of God. He's a powerful man of God. His wife's an anointed singer, amen. They have a lovely family. 
I remember when they started in the warehouses, they were new life. Now they're the way. Amen. And it's just amazing how you see God continues to elevate the people of God. Amen. When you're humble and you seek God, you'll get elevated. Amen. You'll get elevated. But when you're always seeking self-righteousness, guess what? All you're going to make it as far as you can make it. But with God, he takes you so many places further. Amen. So I'm going to talk to you about Love GPS today. We're going to be a local footprint with a global vision. Amen. And this is the key verse I want to leave with you today. Jude 22. Write this verse down. Jude 22. And with, I'm sorry. And on some have compassion, making a difference. You know, this is such a simple verse. And on some have compassion, making a difference. But it's so profound. If I asked you today, how many people have you extended compassion to that has changed someone's life? Could you think back and think of who those people are? I know I can look back in my history and I can look at so many people that have blessed my life, people that don't even know that they blessed my life. And you know what the great thing about this is that you may never even find out who they were until you get to heaven someday. You don't know who you're impacting on a regular basis, but someday you're going to go to heaven and somebody's going to run up to you and say, if it wasn't for you encouraging me in the store, at school, at the workplace, if you didn't keep believing that I was going to be able to overcome that situation, that addiction, that circumstance that had me bound, if you didn't keep pouring into my life and keep encouraging me and not judge me like everybody else, but said, you know what, someday God's going to take control of that for you. Man, I don't know where, I wouldn't be here celebrating in heaven with you today. See, a lot of times, and, and I, I'm just, we got believers here, right? Amen. This is, this is a Christian church, right? I remember I went to a, a comedy show recently with John Chris down here in Miami, and he, like, quoted a couple verses at the beginning of the, of the show, and if we were able to repeat it, he was like, oh, okay, home team, I can talk for real now, right? So I'm going to talk for real. Can I talk for real for a minute? Should I come? I'll come down here. Maybe I'm too far up. This is a splash zone, though. I am a spitter when I, when I preach. Amen? I'm just being really honest with you. You've been to SeaWorld. It's all the same. Amen? My water's probably cleaner. Amen? Praise the Lord. But, you know... A lot of times in, in churches, and this is where the church is, and I love the church. I love the church. I love all churches. I pray for them. But a lot of times, a lot of churches, what they're doing is they're, they're ministering a message that is to, to get people to do something to get something. Listen to what I'm telling you. You have to do this to get that. You have to give to prosper. You have to, you have to walk a straight line in order to be blessed. You have to do this. Listen, we are a broken people by the grace of God we've been saved by the grace of God we've been forgiven there's nothing perfect here now do we strive to be holy you better believe it do you do we strive to be righteous every day but guess what even in our greatest stride to be righteous we'll never be Jesus that's why he laid down his life so that we can experience eternal life that's why when we say someday when we see him in heaven I know that song by mercy me I can only imagine what I'm going to say I have no idea what I'm going to say I'm probably not going to say anything I'm probably just going to be in awe, and I'm a talker. If you come to know me, you come to see me, I'm a talker. I love to talk, but you know what? When I see Jesus, I'm just going to cry because I know that we didn't deserve any of it, but guess what? He called us righteous. He called us holy. He says, you will be my anointed. He says, I will go to heaven, but you, greater things you shall do in my name. Think about that for a second. That should make your, your hair stand up if you have any. It should make your hair stand up on your arms and say, you mean to tell me I can do greater miracles than Jesus? He says, yeah, because I'm going to be my father. You're going to be my extension. 
You're going to be the body of Christ. You're going to be the ones that go out and love people and show them that what it means to live for a God that loves them and cares for them. A lot of times we come to people and we're throwing stones instead of opening our arms. You know, you can't ever ask somebody to lend a hand if you can't reach their heart. A lot of times we want people to help us, but we're not even trying to extend and reach their heart. We just want them to help us for what reason? Sometimes we get close to people for what reason? What's our motive behind it? Here's the greatest thing about loving God, loving people, and loving to serve. God, we don't want anything in return. I don't need anything. I have everything. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in the blessings of God. I believe you could put petitions before the Lord. I believe we can make mountains move. I believe that we can ask anything. I believe that God wants to meet the desires of our heart. But where's our heart? Is our heart pure? Is it, is it, is it after God's heart? So, see, I want to talk about three things today. and we gotta, We're going to have to move quick. Can we move quick? I can move quick. Can you keep up with me? All right. All right. If you guys can keep up with me. We're going in your Bibles to Matthew 22. There was a pastor one time that, was, that had moved here to Hialeah from, um, from another, another state. He was, God, God called him here to open a church. And uh, so God called him here to open a church. And one of the things that um, he was, once he got here, how, how many know when you move to a new town, you don't, you don't know anybody? You don't know anything. You don't know where anything is, right? But he didn't tell anybody that. So one day he's on the street and he's walking up to this young kid and, and he says, he says hey, hey, young man. Where can I get some good Spanish food? Kids look at him like, we're in Hialeah. He says, well, you know, you can, you can go to Casa Mais. That's, that's if you go up two blocks, make a left, go down a little bit, make a right, and you, there's that. Or, you know, you can, you can go to, uh, you know, well, every, a lot of people go to La Carreta, you know. So he tells them all these different places he can go to. He's like, all right, thank you, young man. I appreciate that. He says, hey, I'm opening a new church on Sunday. Why don't you come? I'll show you how to get to heaven. The kid looks up at him. He says, I don't think so. If you don't know where to get good Spanish food in Hialeah, there's no way I'm going to your church. You don't know where to kind of get to heaven? I might go to your church. You don't know where good Spanish food is in Hialeah. Nah, you'll get that another time. All right. So, all right. Matthew 22, are you there? Verse 34. All right. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. It's like our politicians. Testing him and saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the entire law and the prophets. Now let's think about this for a second. These people are so used to fulfilling all the laws of the Old Testament. Every single one. And Jesus says, listen, if you just do these two things, you'll fulfill them all. Now, when you really think about this, it's very profound what Jesus is telling them because if you just look at the Ten Commandments alone, the first four commandments have everything to do with what? Our relationship with God, our vertical relationship, right? It's all about loving God, how we're supposed to love God. And then the next six have everything to do what? With how we love one another, how we treat one another. So if our vertical relationship is right, then our horizontal relationship is right, then we're keeping the entire law. So, you know, when, some, when people get really religious with you and they say, well, you know, you have to keep the law, you have to do this, you have to do that. You say, yeah, I do. I love God above all things and I love my neighbor as myself. They look at you like, no, but you have to do, no, no, no. Listen to what I'm telling you. Jesus said, love God above all things with everything that you have, your entire heart, your entire body, your entire soul, your entire mind, everything that you have about you. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. You fulfill everything and you make the Lord happy. 
So let's, let's talk about that today. Because how many understand that when we come to God, we're a new creation. Everything is made brand new. When we, were, when we were back in the day, we were wretched. We knew how to sin. We were lords of sinners, right? I mean, you know, we, let's be honest. How many of y'all were good sinners? I'm going to raise my hand. I knew how to sin, amen? It was it's just it's what we did, right? That was our identity. Why? Because that's the world we lived in. But when we got to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, then we were like, whoa. Now, now I'm a new creation. The, my, the Bible says that my mind has been renewed. Everything about me has changed. My appearance has changed. And when I say appearance, it doesn't mean you have to look a certain way to go to church. Amen. What I'm saying is that there's a glow about you. There's, there's, there, there's, there's something vibrant coming from the inside. What's in your spirit is now manifesting itself on the outside. We look better. We act better we smile differently we look at people differently our our hair even going the wind goes differently right it's 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 if we have hair amen if you don't don't worry about it everything else is flowing for you amen but so you know and, and it, but everything about us is just is there something about us and it's not so that we can walk around i am the child of god i am the child of god no it's so that we have an understanding that there is something living inside of us that is alive the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And it's inside of us. That's Romans 6.23. For those of you that said that, I don't know if that was a Bible verse or not. Is he quoting what he thinks? It's Romans 6.23. Write it down. So, so there's something living in us. And it wants to come out. It wants people to see who he is. Because we're the only Jesus that people are going to see. You know the next time people are going to see Jesus? When he returns. In the, in the physical, right? But man, I see him every time I walk in this room and look in your face. Every time you shake my hand, every time you hug me, every time we, 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 we break bread together, whatever it is that we do, the presence of God is there. The Bible says when two or three are gathered, he is in the midst of them. So I want to talk to you today about three ways that people in church love God and love people. Now, the other part, I'm not even going to talk about serving. I didn't even know that Pastor Leo was going to talk about that yesterday. He is perfect. Perfect. Love to do what he said yesterday. Somebody said listen to, the po- listen to the podcast. All right. But I want to talk about loving God and loving people. I don't have time to talk about everything. I'm, I'm in the midst of writing a book about this. Uh, I just found out last week, good news, that I have an editor and a publisher waiting for me to finish. Isn't that exciting? Amen. So if after this message uh, you still like me, um, what we can do is uh, maybe I can come back when, when the book gets released and maybe you'll actually want to read it. And then some of you be like, I'm not reading that guy's book, amen. But that's okay. Let's talk about, so let's talk about number one, loving God with demonstration. Loving God with demonstration. Go in your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. While you're flipping there, I just want to thank a few people that came out here today that I was their lead pastor for a long time, amen. And um, they heard that I was ministering here today and, and you came out to support me. I just really appreciate you guys, amen. I love each and every one of you. I'm not going to call you by name, but you can wave at me, amen. I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you, um, and I would have rather have my first message anywhere else than right here. Amen? Romans 7, 1 through 6. Are we there? Yeah. All right. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak for those who know the law, that the law has dominion over man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. We're reading that just to get just an understanding before we get to the verse I want you to hear. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. 
that you may be married to another, to him who has raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we, are, we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Here's what I want you to get from this. When you enter a relationship with God, it's like entering a relationship. It's almost like it's entering a marriage. You know, the, in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, it says that marriage is the greatest example of Christ's relationship with the church. Here's the problem, though. We have a distorted view of marriage. See, in, a, in our society today, 50% of marriages end in divorce. And that's in the church too, by the way. That's not, you know, sometimes Christians like to quote that and say, that's why you need Jesus. No, no, people with Jesus getting divorced too. All right? What happens is, is that when we get into a relationship, that, it's, it's our job to put the work and the effort in. If God has freed us from sin, why would we ever go back to that? Verse 4 says that we are the bare fruits of righteousness. If you look in Galatians and it talks about the fruits of the Spirit, what's the first one? Love. The next one is joy. After that is peace and then long-suffering. But you can't have joy and peace if you don't have love in your heart. Now, a lot of times people look at the Bible and say, well, this is just a bunch of rules and regulations. No, it's not rules and regulations. It's a love letter. Because God loves us so much that he put certain boundaries up so that we wouldn't kill ourselves. Because what happens is that people are killing themselves. But that's because what? My people lack for what? Lack of knowledge. See, the word of God is not rules and regulations. The word of God is I love you so much that this is how I need you to live your life. So that your life can be fulfilled. So that your destiny can be reached. So that you can not only fulfill your life but for your family, for your legacy, for the generations that come that come from your loins. And for those that you're going to touch each and every day. This is not a rules and regulations book. That's what the DMV gives you. This is a love letter. This is a letter to me personally. You say, well, no, Pastor Chris, it's not to you personally. This is, uh, this is something that was written for everybody. When I read it, it's for me personally. When you read it, it's for you personally. When you read it, it's for you personally. It's God speaking to you. It's like, P.S., I love you. God's telling you and reassuring you. And even when we fall short, God says, I still love you. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get our act together. If he would have, he would have never came. He said he wouldn't flood the earth again. I wouldn't know what he would have had to do the next time. But he came. Why did he come? Because he loves us. No greater love than this that a man shall lay down his life for his friend or for his brother. And that's what Jesus did. So when it says there, and I'm moving around, and now my page is flipped. When he says there in verse 4, we're dead to the law, but we've been raised from the dead, and we're going to bear fruit to God. From when we were in the flesh, we were sinful. That was a fruit of death, but we've been delivered from that. So what? Now our life is a living testimony of who God is. When we wake up in the morning, it's not that we walk alone. We walk with Christ. When something comes our way, I don't have to worry what's coming my way because I know that God has already worked it out. I already know that I am built up in Christ. Why? Because the word of God lies in me. A lot of times we don't know what we're doing because we don't know the word of God. You know, a lot of times believers don't pick up a Bible until they come to church. And now they have, we have phones. Some people don't even know where the books of the Bible are, by the way. They're like, oh, Galatians chapter, verse, and that's it. Don't get lost in the jungle with your Bible. You won't know what verses to look, where to look. But we have to understand something. 
We bear fruits and we practice righteousness. We practice holiness. I'm not telling you that you have to get it all right in order to be righteous and holy. I'm telling you that you have the ability to do it every day. And when you fall short, God says, demonstrate this love back onto me. You know, when we fall short, what do we do? Lord, forgive me. I made a mistake. Forgive me. I made a mistake. Don't be prideful with the Lord. There's no reason to. Now watch this. In Romans 6.22 it says, But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end is everlasting life. Don't ever forget that you have everlasting life. You know, sometimes people get married and, and they go through struggles and they go through trials and then they say, well, you know what, I'm not in love with him anymore. Or I'm not in love with her anymore. I don't know what that means. Love is not a feeling. Love is not an emotion. Love is a choice. You choose to love. When I wake up in the morning, I still have to choose to love God every day. And you know what? He's still going to love me whether I love him or not. That's what's crazy about it. The God of the universe, the God that holds life in his hands, the beginning and the end, the author, the finisher, he can do anything he wants and he decides to love us even on the days that we don't feel like loving him. Even on the days where we don't feel like praying. Even on the days where we don't lift our hands and worship him. Even on the days when we say something that we know we shouldn't have said. He's still sitting there extending his hand saying, I love you. There's a way to get through this, but you got to bear fruit of righteousness. You got to learn to walk in that love, in that peace, in that joy that my, only my spirit can give. And sometimes we don't want to talk about it because it means we have to do a little introspection about us. But let's not get it twisted. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So, yeah, we, 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 we are in the dispensation of grace. It's the best era to live in. I'll tell you right now. We live in a dispensation of grace. But guess what? We still have to do our part. And we got to love God with demonstration. We got to love him with everything we've got. You know, I, I was listening to my wife talk. I can never be a praise and worship leader. One, because I can't sing. But two, because I could never stand up here. And see somebody not standing and be like, I'm not going to, I'm going to say something. That's just who I am. When, when, when I used to, when I pastored, I always sat in the front row and I never looked backwards during praise and worship. Never. Never. Somebody would tell me, Pastor, uh, so-and-so is here. Oh, okay, yeah, bring them, bring them over here. Because yeah. if I turned around and I saw people just not worshiping God, I'm going to get upset. I'm going to get upset. I'm not, I might not say nothing to them, but I'm, I, that's where I was. I was going to get upset. Like, like Tito, you come, you guys rehearse, right? Yeah, so T Tito lives, you live far from here, right? You live like in Pompano. Oh, Tito comes down here and, and he lives in Pomp past Pompano? Oh, wow, bro. What are you Whoa. Let's talk about a dedicated brother, amen? You guys should. Amen. I didn't know you were past Pompano. Oh, you're, you're past, that's even far from me now. And Betsy comes and, and the rest of the praise team, and they, and they work hard and they pray and they decide what songs, and they come up here and they're like, let's, let's raise a hallelujah. And we're like this. Raise what? <laughs> I'm not raising nothing, right? So how are we loving God with demonstration then if we can't even praise him? If you can't praise him in a church, I'm going to tell you right now. Let's just be honest. Let's just for a minute, let's just be a little honest. If we can't praise and worship him with other people praise and worship him, <laughs> you're telling me you're worshiping him at work? At school? Come on, let's be honest, all right? What happens? What happens to us? There's got to be a demonstration that comes forth. Not for people to see you worship God, so that God can bask in, in what he's done in your life. 
There's got to be a demonstration that comes forward. We've got we to keep moving. Um, love people with demonstration. Oh, boy. See, some people say they love God, but I don't know, because if you love God, you got to love people now. Go to Luke chapter 10. Now, I'm not going to teach on this because Pastor Rigo taught on this a couple weeks ago. I was actually here for that message. Um, and so if you didn't hear it when he talked about the Good Samaritan, go ahead and get that podcast. I don't remember what date it was, but he did such a great job of teaching, and I might do it injustice by doing it again. But I do want to just call your attention to something real quickly. In chapter 10, verse 25, where it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is it written? In the law, what is your reading of it? So he, 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 he talks about what we read earlier. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and then your neighbor as yourself. And he said to them, you've answered right. Do this and you will live. And he wanted to justify himself. So he said, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? You know, many times we approach God with good intentions and we mess the whole thing up. Let me say that again. Many times we approach God with good intentions, but then we just mess the whole thing up. Because God's commanded us to do something, and what God is looking for is total obedience, and what we're looking to give is minimal obedience. Because we're, by asking the question, who is my neighbor, we're trying to see what's the least I can do to please you, God. What's the, it's, it, who's my neighbor? Is it just the people that I go to church with? Is it just the people on my block? Is it just the people I work? Who is my neighbor? And God is saying, each and every person you come in contact with. So now he gives this whole parable, you guys already heard it, with the Levite passes, the priest passes. He's supposed to be good guys, right? And then the Samaritan, who's not supposed to be the good guy, does the good deed. So he shows the love of his neighbor, right? But here's what trips me out about this whole story. Jesus, at the end of the story, asks a simple question. He says, he says, so which of these do you think the neighbor... I'm sorry, verse uh, 36. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, who showed mercy on him? That trips me out right there. Why does that trip you out, Pastor Chris? Why does that trip you out? Because he still couldn't say the Samaritan was the one that showed mercy. It Was it going to hurt him to say it? He was like, oh, the one who showed, why, why can't you say Samaritan? Because you don't consider the Samaritan your neighbor. And we live in a society that's always trying to divide us by race and by culture and by ethnicity and all these different things. And God says each and every one of you is neighbors because you're all children of God. You all come from the same heavenly father. So it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter what social class. It doesn't matter if they're rich, poor. And what the thing is is that we can't love people because we're trying to get something back from them. And that's a lot of times is a lot of churches will only put programs in place that they think is going to benefit their church. But if God shows you a need, it's not to benefit you, it's to benefit the need. Someday down the road, God will take care of your needs, but benefit the needs that are in front of you right now. And it trips me out that this man couldn't just say, yeah, it was a Samaritan. Because if, if the priest would have did it, he would have said the priest. If the Levite would have did it, he would have said the Levite. But no, it was a Samaritan. And that was considered somebody that didn't keep the law. That was not somebody that wasn't about being religious. And then he got tripped out. And he's like, oh, the one that showed mercy. <laughs> Boy, I could never be Jesus. Because I would have I been like, the Samaritan is the one. He's the one that showed the, was the neighbor. He's the one that loved by demonstration. This is the greatest demonstration of love. Do you understand that this, this guy did not, this Samaritan did not know this guy from nothing and put him in a hotel for 24 nights? Those of you that have some theological studies, you'll understand why I said that. If not, study up on that. How much money he gave the innkeeper. And then he told him, and, if you, and when I come back, if you need more, I give you more. He didn't even know the guy. 
But look what he did. He demonstrated it. He demonstrated it. It's not about what you can get in return. Jesus told him, and then the thing is, Jesus, you know what Jesus told him? Go and do likewise. Go be like the Samaritan that you judged. There's a lot of judgment going on. There's a lot of stones being thrown. I don't know about you, but the one that has not sinned, let him throw the first stone. It's sad when, when the body of Christ can't love unconditionally. Amen. Let's go to number two. Wait, how much time I got left? Ooh. Number two, love God with convenience. Love God with convenience. What's convenience? Convenience is the quality of being suitable or favorable to one's person's needs. Unfortunately, a lot of times we love God out of convenience. But the problem with loving God out of convenience is that this type of love will never last. It's a form of love. There's, there's a demonstration of love, but then it doesn't ever last. And, and what happens is that we start to dangle this kind of love and, and we start to get emotional about God instead of founded in God. Listen to what I'm telling you. We get emotional about God because God's seeing us through a situation, but we're not getting founded in his word and it's not, it's not transforming our lives. So we love him in the moment, but when, when other times hit, we forget who he is. Are you with me? Don't get scared. It's, this doesn't mean it's you. Just relax. We're all right. We're just talking. We're just talking. Because the next one's even worse. No, I'm just kidding. But we're just talking. But sometimes we love God out of convenience. Go in Mark chapter 10 real quick. Mark chapter 10. You guys all know this story. I'm just going to touch it real fast. The rich young ruler. Verse 17. Now he was going out on the road. One came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's a great question. Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't bear a false witness, don't defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered, he said to the teacher, I've done all these things since I've kept my youth. Okay, I want you to understand right now, this is a godly man. Before we read anything else, I know you know the end of the story, it's a godly man. He's keeping what? His religious traditions. He's staying firm to what scripture taught him. So then Jesus looked at him, loved him, said to him, one thing you lack. Stop right there. If God tells us we're lacking something, we better listen. We better listen. If God tells us we're lacking something, we better listen. He says, one thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. And he was saddened by this and went away sorrowfully, for he had great, great possessions the sad thing about this is that it got to a place where now it wasn't convenient for him to love God because he was gonna have to give something up something that was dear to him do you know if you read further down in scripture in that same chapter Jesus is talking to his disciples and they're talking about how hard is it for a rich man to get into heaven and then he tells him he says there is not a person in this life that doesn't give up everything that won't receive it a hundredfold in this lifetime Think about that for a second. He didn't know that yet, but that, that's, that's not the point. He didn't trust God. He didn't trust him enough. He was loving him out of convenience. I can love you because I'm not an adulteress. I can love you because I honor my father and my mother. I can love you because I don't bear false witness. I can love you by the things that, that you said. Okay, then give everything you have and give it to the poor because you lack one thing. It's not that, you know what Jesus noticed? Everything was about him. He lacked. He lacked a heart 
for God and for people. Because think about what he asked them to do. He told them to give everything he had to woo people in need. And he said, follow me. Where was his heart? It wasn't for God and for people. It was for himself. God, I'll love you if you give me a new job. God, I'll love you if you save my marriage. God, I'll love you if you bring me the man or woman of my dreams. God, I'll love you if my kids act right. God, I'll love you if you get me out of debt. God, I'll love you, and this is a tough one for some people, if you heal me. God, I'll love you then. No, I love you, God, because you have everything under control. I love you because I, you've, here's one thing that I always learned from my old pastor. God will never love you more than he already loves you today. Think about that. God will never love us more than he already loves us today. He can't, but we can love him more and we can love people more. Amen? Love people out of convenience. Go in Luke chapter 6 real quick. Luke chapter 6. Are you guys getting anything this morning? Are you all right? All right. Everybody's good? All right. All right. Good, good, good. Pastor, about, about a third. It was okay. All right. Sorry. I don't, I, don't know what you're, I don't know how you rate me, but that's about a third. All right. Uh, listen, I, it don't matter to me. I was a little nervous this morning. You know, you know what it's like not to, after preaching so many, not preaching a year? So I was telling myself on the way here, like in my, in my zone, in my car, nobody knew I was talking to myself. I was. My mother was in the back. She was talking to me, and I was listening, but I wasn't. And, and, uh, and, and, and I, was, I was going, and I was like, I was like all right, Lord, I'm going to just be like an athlete, you know, that's been on like the injured list, right? You know. I just need to take a couple hits, and then I'll be back in the game. I'll be all right, you know. <laughs> I just, just got to get myself, you know, warmed up a little bit. And, and then now I could probably go to, I don't know, 1, 2 o'clock. I mean, I mean, I mean let's be honest. Let's be honest. I, I don't know if there, I can say this. I don't know if there's any Catholics that have been converted here. I, I grew up Catholic, amen. You, you know there's no purgatory, right? You know that, right? All right. So um, it's not scriptural, amen. But. But those of us that are South Florida football fans, we've been in purgatory for years, amen. So, so I, I, I've been a Dolphin fan all my life. I mean, you know, I'm from New York and I've been a Dolphin fan all my life. And so I'm really not in a rush to go home. And, and, and you know, I sent, a, I sent a thing to the NFL. I said that everybody in South Florida should get free NFL packages. Like on direct, we should get, because when the Dolphins play at home, we can't watch any other games. Unless you have the NFL package. They should just give it to us for free. I mean, we're suffering down here. I mean, at least until they're good again, and then, and then we'll be fine. But it's okay. We, we, we pray for them too, amen? I, I, I don't know if it helps, but I've been praying for them for a while. All right, Luke, Luke chapter 6, verse 32. Where, where am I? Okay, here we go. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is it? Is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive something back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is, he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful just as the Father also is merciful. Man, this is just so powerful. God is telling us you can't love out of convenience. You can't love because you're going to receive love back. Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you something crazy right now. Well, maybe it's not. I don't know. When I was getting ready to leave ministry, it was, it was a hard decision for me, like terrible decision for me. Like I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Like, I, I, and all I thought about, honestly, was the people. That's all I was concerned about. I wasn't even, I really wasn't really concerned about myself. I was more concerned about the people, right? And, and one, of the, one of our mentors that was talking to us at the time, and when, when they said this, I was like, no way, no way. And 
and it actually happened. He said, listen to me. I know what you're holding on to. He says, but in six months from now, I guarantee you there won't be more than six people that were in that ministry that follow up with you to see how you're doing. And I was like, no, no way. Especially because I preach this all the time, how we love God, we love you. Well, that brother was right. Now, I ain't upset about it. I haven't stopped praying for anybody from my old ministry. I pray for all of them. The ones that spoke good about me and the ones that spoke bad about me. I pray for all of them. Why? Because this has been a revelation in my heart that you got to love people no matter what. you got to love people even when it hurts. you got to love people even when you've been hurt by people. Because what happens is that we're only loving out of convenience. It's easy for me to love you if you always show me love back. But what about when I do something for you and you could care less? What about when I, when I, when I, when I help you through a, a rough time and then you just walk away? You know, that doesn't mean we don't have wisdom either. We don't let people take advantage of us, right? We don't let people take advantage of us. I'm not, that's not, I'm not saying you just keep giving and then, here, take my bank account, take my debit card, take my credit. No, that's not what I'm telling you. I, I'll give you an example. There was this family that I used to, we used to help out. I used to help out a lot. And they struggled. They struggled. So, so we used to help them. They had kids. And we used to help them with their light bill, with groceries, with their water. You know, because that's, that's what I believe ministry is about. Not everybody feels that way. But I feel that when people are in need, you help them. That's why my, the new ministry I'm going into, we're going to have very minimal overhead because I want to be able to help people. So we're going to be mobile for a while. We need the mobile pastor. I don't know. They have mobile barbers. They have mobile puppy, puppy uh, groomers, right? You're going to see me driving down. There's a, hey, there's mobile Chris. <laughs> Look at him go. He's going to preach the word. So anyways, um, but there's a couple. So then one day I noticed that they got, they got brand new cars. I said, oh, that's great. That's awesome. God's blessing you guys. Several months later, and they always only had one, they always only had one car. Listen to the story. They always only had one car. And now they have two cars. They have a brand new car. So it, months later, the, the one decided to stop working, go back to school. So they call me. And like, oh, we can't pay our light bill. So right away, you know, I'm like, wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> so I was like, wait a minute. But you have a ram in the bush. You don't need that second car. You sell that car, you'll be able to pay your bills for the next six months easily until you get back on your feet. Do you know that that wasn't an acceptable answer? You know, after all the times I helped that family, I never saw them again. So I'm not telling you to get taken advantage of or becoming somebody's crutch. What I'm telling you, though, is you got to learn to love not inconvenience, but even when it hurts. Because let me tell you, I've been hurt by people very, very close to me, and they don't even know it. I still love them every time I see them. I still embrace them. I still pray for them in my private time. And I'm not praying, Lord, bring damnation onto them. No. Because you could quote some scripture now about what you want people to do, what you want God to do. You can, you, can get, you can get scriptural about it. But let me tell you something. Is it better to love what's permissible by God or what's the perfect will of God? Because we could do things that are permissible and God permits it and he's okay with it. Like, for instance, I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, hopefully it doesn't fall on anybody in here. But if it does, you can come see me and talk to me about it. A couple that's going through infidelity, through an affair. God's word says that you can divorce them. It's permissible, and you can do that. But is that the perfect will of God? 
One time a pastor, a pastor I know, you remember Pastor Andre from Tampa? One time he says, Chris, when the things really hit the fan, that's who you find out who the real Christians are. That's who you find out who's really founded in the word of God and is flowing in the love of Christ. Because it's permissible, but is that the perfect will of God? Or would God want to see that marriage reconciled and forgiveness take place just like it's taking place in our own personal lives? It's not always just with God because God's going to forgive the adulterer. If they're sincere, if they're sincere, right, God's going to forgive them. But can the spouse forgive them? And some of you, if you, I don't know, you're already moving in your chairs a little bit, thinking about it. Don't think about it. I'm not saying it's happening. I'm just saying, what if it did? Could you do it? Could you give somebody money without having to ever expect it back in return? You know, people used to ask me all the time, Pastor, my friend needs me to lend him money or this or that. And I was like, listen, you're not lending anything. Do you have the money? Yes. Can you afford to give it to him? Yes. Give it to him. That's it. Don't ever think about it again. You don't want to be like that kid in the Bronx tail running after the guy for $20 down the street. You owe me $20. See, why are you chasing that kid for? Right? You don't want to be that guy. No. You want to be like, hey, is this what you need? Here, take it, man. You don't want that, and you don't want that person to have to worry about it all the time either. Either you could do it or you can't. Amen? All right, last one. I got I to gotta go. I'm, I, I don't know. I, I can't see my wife, but I know she's giving me a look. All right, number three. Look. Love God with a skewed definition of love. Love God with a skewed definition of love. And love people. And it's going to say people too up there, right? A skewed definition. See, here's, here's the thing. We're talking a lot about love today, right? But you can't, you can't know how to walk in love if you've never experienced love. If you were never raised in love or you were never received love or knew how to receive love, then it's very hard for you to walk in the kind of love that I'm talking about. So what happens is, is that you have this skewed definition of love and you're not really sure how you're supposed to walk in love. And, and here's the first thing I'm going to tell you. <laughs> if, if you. If you struggle to love people, how are you going to love God? Because if you can't love the seen, how are you going to love the unseen? Romans 5.5 5 says this, I and I want you to write this verse down. Listen to this. Now hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Listen, each and every believer in here has the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit is full of love. That's a love-omatic meter, amen. I mean, you know, how you, you, know how, you know how you used to go to those games back in the day and you used to put your finger there and used to tell you how much love you had in your life, you know. It would be like, yeah, and you're like, oh, I hope I get the red, you know. I hope I'm on fire, you know. I'm going to tell you right now, there is an enfuego type of love inside of you. That just wants to burst out. And it wants to show you how to love. But more importantly, before you can show how to love, you need to know how to receive love. And I'm going to speak to you, those that have been hurting here before. You've been hurt. People have done you wrong. People have done bad by you. Talk back behind your back. Listen, God will never, never allow you to be put to shame. He loves you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never leave you abandoned. He abandoned you. God will never abandon you. She walked out on you. God will never walk out on you. He is there every step of the way. He wants that meter to rise up inside of you. We need to allow God to take control of our lives so that we can learn that the meaning, of the meaning and definition of love. Go with me real quick. We're almost done. 1 John. 1 John. 1 John. Chapter 5. I know some people still want to go watch the Dolphins. I don't know why. First John chapter 5. I'm saving you. <laughs> 
spiritually and emotionally. <laughs> I don't even know. I think, I don't even know either. We don't want to know. We don't want to know. It's, they could be playing a college team. I don't know if it would work out. All right, First right. right. John chapter 5. All right, are we, listen. By the way, just real quick promo, promo here for the Bible. I am Bible man. No. First John is the book about love. If you read First John, those five, five chapters talks all about God's love, how we should love. And every, I mean, I really recommend you guys read this over and over again. You, can, you, can, you know it would be a good thing? If you took a month and you read a chapter each workday. So, because it's five chapters. Unless you work 24-7, then you'll have to read 2nd and 3rd John. But um, if you were to read just these five chapters every day for like a month, man, I'm telling you, you're going to love God and you're going to love people in a totally different way. Because it's just going to become a revelation to you. All right, chapter 5. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Oh, there's that again. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. I want you to highlight burdensome and not also. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Listen, remember earlier the rich young ruler he couldn't, he couldn't just let it go, right? Remember when the lawyer asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Because he was looking for minimal obedience. This is total obedience. This says, you know what, God? I don't care what happens. I am going to love you no matter what. Not a definition of maybe I've been taught if I do this, I receive that. No, get that out of your mind. This, here's one thing we have to learn as believers. The Bible says this, that the rain falls on the just and the unjust just the same. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you ain't going to go through financial hardship. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you ain't going to have to battle a disease like our brother is right now. We're standing in faith with him. Just because you're saved doesn't mean that your house may not get foreclosed. Or that you may lose a job. Or that you may lose a loved one. Or you, there's just so many things that can happen, right? The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But what happens when you're in Christ is that you have, there's something inside of you that has the ability to get through those circumstances. To see the light at the end of the tunnel. To know that, you know what, everything's going to be okay when everything doesn't seem okay. Everything's going to work out when nothing's working out at the moment. Because I can press through and I can trust God because, you know what, God said that I may go through tough times, but he'll take me all the way through. It's when we give up is that when that circumstance or that situation starts to pull us down. I never thought, listen, I come from a divorced home, but my mom married a great man. A great man who became my stepdad. When I was 10 years old, I would have never thought that he was going to pass in his 50s. Married to him for over 20 years. It was, you know, my, my kids, didn't, my, my, my sons, my oldest son Elijah remembers him really well. My youngest son Joel remembers him some. My daughter was born four weeks after he passed away to the day. In the same floor of the same hospital. I would have never thought that. And my mom now has been a widow for, my daughter's 10, 10 years. But you know what? In her, in her darkest moments, God still sustains her. God still, she still has a joy for the Lord. She still has a, a worship in her heart. She comes here sometimes with us, amen. You've seen her. She's here this morning, amen. It's not easy. But listen, you know when it gets easy? Let me go to heaven. It's easy for him, amen. 
because he was a believer. But while we're here, we got to work this thing. And we got to say, you know what? Yeah, struggles may come, but man, joy comes in the morning. You know what? My finances don't look great now, but I'm a giver. And I know that I give, and I know that God says that he's going to bless me. Press down, shaking together, and running over that others that will give into my bosom. So you got to know the word so that you can proclaim it over your life. See, the reason why we have a skewed definition of love is because we don't even know how God loves us. We don't know to the depths that he loves us. Sometimes we think that God just loves us because he just wants us to go to heaven. Man, that's a shallow Christianity. Because once you get saved and you're born again, you're already going to heaven. There's so much more in the word of God for our everyday life. If we would tap into it, man, we would be able to walk around with some love, some joy, some peace. And when the tough times comes, we put on the long suffering. I say, all right, Lord, I'm in a season. Bring me through it. Bring me through it. What am I learning from this? And you know what's going to happen when you go through that season? Man, you're going to bless somebody else. Why? Because you love people. You can clap, sister. You love people. And if you love people, then guess what? You know what? I went through that. You're going to be okay. I went through that rough patch. I went through that time. I was, I was down and out. I was crying in my room. I was, you know, when, when the thing was going on with my wife, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what was happening to her. I didn't know what was going on. What was I doing? I was walking every morning, praying. I went walking every morning. I should go back to that. And I was praying. I was walking down. I live off of Taft Street in Pembroke Pines. Nobody here probably knows what that is, but I live off of Taft Street. Oh, I got some Broward people. Hey, what's up? What's up? Hey, all right. 954, what's up? Right? So, so anyways, um, so I walk down Taft Street and I'm praying. And you know what? I speak in tongues. So I start speaking in tongues. Boy, people must have drove by me and thought I was crazy. But I was declaring God's victory over my life, over, over, over her life, over my marriage, over my children. I'm walking down the street and I'm speaking. I'm, I'm, I don't even know. Half the time I didn't even have my eyes open. I'm lucky I didn't get hit by a car. Well, that was God. Amen? So... <laughs> Do not try this at home, disclaimer. So, but, but, you know, I was just, I was so focused on what God was doing. And I was declaring it. I said, Lord, my marriage will be whole. My, my children will serve you. My, my finances are good. The ministry that you have for me, the vision that you've given me, it will come to pass in your season, not mine. I wasn't like, Lord, it's got to happen by next week or I'm going to die. No, you're not going to die. Next week's going to come. You're going to be alive. What's going to happen? Then we say, all right, Lord, I'm going to give you another week. All right, last thing. <laughs> love, people with a, love people with the same skewed definition of love. There seems to be a confusion concerning who to love, how to love, when to love, and why we love. Go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 10. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But who, he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Go down to verse 15 real quick. Do not love the world and the things of it. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Let's talk about this for a second. First of all, our brother is those of the faith, brothers and sisters of the faith, the body of Christ. Listen, loving other believers is a fundamental requirement of Christian living. Boy, oh, you don't know sister so-and-so. Yeah, I know. Pray for her. Oh, you don't know brother so-and-so. He's got such a... Pray for him. But you got to love him. You know, one thing I used to tell people, and they used to look at me strange, is like, you don't have to like everybody, but you have to love everyone. 
What does that mean? Well, you don't have to go hold their hand and skip down the street and go shopping with them. But you still got to love them. Because in that time of need, that love, they're going to need it. And then that ver- last verse, verse 15 says, do not love the world and the things of it. This is where people get a little skewed definition of love. We think that we can't love sinners. That's crazy to me. Because we were all sinners. What do you mean we can't love sinners? Well, my pastor used to teach me that, you know, we, we're not to fellowship with darkness. And if we fellowship with darkness, then we're not in the light. And I, yeah, I know all the scriptures. Thank you. When, when, when Jesus sat with sinners. All right? But he didn't become a sinner. He just sat with them. So guess what? You can sit with sinners and not sin and love them to Christ. Now, if you have a situation, here's my disclaimer, because the first thing we love is God before people. If you can't be in certain places or situations because that's going to cause you because of something in your past, then, yeah, that's not you. <laughs> that's not for you. Turn your neighbor and say, that's not for you. All right? But if, if it's something where, you know, it's just a, a coworker or a friend, just because they don't believe in Jesus doesn't mean you can't love that person. Because how are they ever going to believe in Jesus if the love of Christ is never shown to them? It's shared with them. It's crazy to me that, that we would teach people that, you know, once they come to church, you have to stay here. This is where we love. No, we love everywhere. Doesn't it say here that we leave the nest? We leave the nest. Why do we leave the nest? To reach out and multiply. And then it says you are loved. Love God and love people. By the way, the first Sunday I came here and I pulled up and I saw the hype center because Love GPS has been my thing since 2015. I just, at my old church, couldn't implement it the way I wanted to. I saw love God, love people. I was like, oh, I'm home. I'm home. This is, this is, what, I, this is what God's been giving me. Amen. I'm going to go out there and graffiti, love, serve. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, one more scripture and we're done. One more scripture and we're done. I'll, I'll, listen, in church we should laugh, cry, amen, and ouch. Right? We should love. I mean, we should laugh if, you know, if anybody's funny. Um, we should cry if it, if it really touches us. We should amen what we agree with. And we should ouch with, like, not that I don't agree. Ouch, I got to work on that. And that ouch is okay. It's okay. I ouch. There's times, even when Pastor Rico's speaking, I'm like, ooh, that hit me. You know, and I, I'm like, I got I to gotta think about that later. If you think pastors got it all figured out, you, you, you don't know. 20 years. And I, I, every day I learn something new. Every day I learn something new. All right, I'm going to leave this last scripture. I'm going to share a little bit about my ministry and, and I'm done. But I'm going to share it with Pastor Rigo up here, amen. Because he's my, man, he's, he's been a mainstay for me this past year. Um, 1 John 3, 16. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Man, that's powerful right there. Man, that... I mean, I was going to read more, but I just want to stop right there for a second. How many times have you ever told somebody you love them, but you never demonstrated that love to them ever? How many times have you ever tell somebody, this is a popular church one. Oh, watch out now. How many times have you ever told somebody, I'm going to pray for you? And you know you ain't never prayed for them. Hey, I'm going through something. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to pray for you. Did you pray for them? I got to a point, at one point, I was like, man, I got to stop saying this. I'm just going to pray for him right then and there. Because, honestly, I might forget. I'm just being honest. <laughs> you know, so I'm going to pray for you right now. But 
Loving somebody is not in tongue. It's in demonstration. Seeing somebody in need and walking away, where's the love of God? Verse 19, and by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Just hold on to that. I'm going to love God, and I'm going to love people. And I didn't even get into serving, but when you, do, when you have those two things, then you love serving. Some people love serving but don't, don't love God. And people, they love serving because they feel like it's, it's doing something for them. That's not going to work. Can you imagine if the people in the hype center, and, I, and this is not the case, but if the people in the hype center just loved serving but didn't love people, that would, be, that would not be too hype. Amen. <laughs> Because you'd be walking, because here's what I'm going to tell you. This is, I'm going to close with this, because this is a church, and, and I love this place, and I love Pastor Rigo, I love everything I see here. A person that comes here for the first time is going to make a judgment about this ministry before he ever shares one word from this pulpit. Why? Because they're observing all of you. From the minute they open their door to the minute they walk through the hype center, go through the lobby, come here, get greeted, sit down, listen to the praise team, listen... Here, let's see their heart, how they share. Look around, see if people are worshiping God. People, why? You go to a church for the first time. That's what you do, right? You observe what's going on. And, they, and a lot of times, I've learned through, through church studies, is that a lot of times people make a decision about a church before they ever hear the pastor speak. What does that tell you? Everybody here is just as important. We are the body of Christ. We love God. We love people. We love serving. And we do it not because we're looking for benefits and a return, because it's indated in us through the Holy Spirit, and it's living inside of us. And if we apply this in our homes and in our jobs and in our churches and our schools, you will transform South Florida for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's bring Pastor Rigo up. Amen. The praise team. I get this. I haven't said this in a long time. Let's bring the praise team up. Amen. I just want to take us back to that that opening verse. I got my wife come up too. Amen. Um, Jude twenty two. And on some have compassion, making a difference. Let's make a difference in people's lives. Let's have compassion for the saved and for the lost. Let's have true compassion. The ministry that we're getting ready to start, our mission statement is to inspire a love and a passion for God that pours over to people as we serve locally and beyond. Our vision statement is to develop and equip people to serve their communities and beyond through a life inspired by Christ and Scripture. And we're going to focus on five key areas as a ministry. Christian discipleship, family foundation and restoration, youth mentoring, child development, and the four pillars of outreach. Feeding, water, clothing, and prison. And when I say prison, I want you to understand something. Prison always is in a cell downtown. There's a lot of people in prison. There are mental prisons, financial prisons, relational prisons. 
they're being abused and battered. And if the body of Christ doesn't raise up and reach them, they're going to be gone. Suicide is at a high rate. Drug use at a high rate. People are trying to escape prisons. Mental illness is at a high rate because people are in prisons. I got it. I, got it. I multitask. Amen. It's my wife. We're going to, remember family restaurant, I, I do counseling, yeah. but, look, no, all kidding aside, <laughs> we can laugh, or cry. Think about people you know. I want you to really just close your eyes for a minute. How many people you know are in some kind of prison? Will you have the compassion to make a difference in their life? It's not about you. Forget about you. Oh, but you don't know what I'm going through, Pastor. I don't know what you're going through, but God surely does. And if you're established in Christ, he's already working on you. And if you need help, then reach out for it. No man is an island. Reach out for that help if you need help. But if you know that God's working on your circumstance, it's not that you have to wait until you're perfect to help somebody else in their circumstance. Love him. Love people. Love to serve. Make that your mantra today. Make that your, your identity in Christ. You should never have to tell somebody you're a Christian. They know it because of how you conduct your life.